it's just this dance of helping each other out with new endeavors and new stuff. And it's just so beautiful to see it happen and come to fruition. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. You're listening to Perspective, a podcast for Winegraves, where we sit down, often with a special guest, and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry in order for you to learn from us and to help grow your business. On the other side of the Atlantic, joining us today is photographer, filmmaker and YouTuber Eric Floberg. Eric is a self-confessed pizza lover, cyclist, adventurer and coffee lover. I think we're going to get on well here. But most importantly, is a husband and father of two based out of Chicago. Our guest today shares a clear love of education as he holds one-to-one mentoring sessions, attends full-day workshops, then over on his YouTube channel, which at this point has gathered over 33,000 subscribers, Eric has released a whole array of popular videos aimed to educate and entertain. We're talking community over competition on today's episode, which was the title of one of Eric's most recent YouTube videos. However, we wanted to focus a little bit more of what that means as a creative with that mindset and the results that follow that can help bolster and grow your business. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack, but I'll get onto that a little bit later in the show. Hey, Greg, guess what we're drinking? I know what we're drinking because I brewed it up this time. Yes, So this week, it's a coffee that was brought in by a listener and friend of ours called Lee Phillips. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called Drink the Hustle you're not supposed I'm not to too that. sure about that name. I'm not sure well, I like it. <clears throat> well, so I looked it up a little bit because it was just left in a clear bag with no information. But I looked it up online very quickly. It is hustle and it's obviously like for active people. It's specifically very buff dudes, I think. Which is not us. However, we have been on a, a health kick. But what it is, is it is the, what, the strongest coffee. It's got... An incredible amount of caffeine in it, hence the strongest. Oh my, coffee. just so what I need now. We're going to be absolutely buzzing. <laughs> so we'll give this a taste. But Eric, mm-hmm. what are you drinking over there? Um, coffee. Coffee. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not super well versed in uh, uh, coffee, but wait, mm-hmm. hold on. Let mm-hmm. me grab a bag. Give me one second. Oh, that's actually not too bad. That's better than I thought it was going to be. Sure, what to expect, but mm. so we have a we have a coffee subscription at my studio. Oh, Ooh, right. nice. So we always have a rotating bag. Mm-hmm. And I try, to, I try to pretend like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't. <laughs> um, looks like we have Verve, Verve Coffee Roasters made in Santa Cruz, California. Nice. So Columbia, El Tesoro, Tabi. We got notes of grapefruit, pomegranate, and I'm going to embarrass myself with this last one. La- lasting? Lasting? I have no idea. Oh, I've never I'm heard of that. Nope. <laughs> don't know. Interesting. I have Tastes heard of great. Verve Coffee Roasters. I know they do good stuff. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's great. I uh, yeah whipped it up on the V60 this morning. Ah, nice. And, uh, are, yeah. you, are you getting any of those kind of fruit notes that you mentioned there? Totally. Yeah, and that's like my favorite kind of coffee. So you brewed it just coffee. <laughs> so, Cause I'm, 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 yeah, I'm feeling pretty happy. I got my bloom good. right and everything this morning. Good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not one of those mornings where I forgot about the bloom and, you know, like two minutes later, I'm like, oh, no. God damn it. <laughs> I always do that. I, in fact, yeah. I didn't even know the bloom existed until like last year yeah. where Greg educated me. I yeah. probably should I give him into trouble that. all the time about how he, how he brews it. <laughs> it was, yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> out of everyone in the office, I'm probably known for just brewing whatever and just kind of hodgepodging my way through a, a brew. But Greg's more meticulous. You're meticulous, right? You you set your grind and you, you've got your to times. to stick to the recommended rules. Mm-hmm. Oh, you <laughs> dial it in. Oh, he dials it. He, he, yeah. he, he dials it in. <laughs> He does it in hard. It's ridiculous. I make this, the guy that gave me my audio setup today. His name's Mike. He's my studio mate, and I always make fun of him for like using the term "dialing it in." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always making fun of him, even though I like want to copy him because he knows everything. <laughs> um, Enough about that, though. How how was your weekend? It was insane. It to, um, it's been. <laughs> let me tell you, I shot a wedding out in seattle on monday so it was just a small wedding family only friends only and then on thursday i went over to hawaii and shot another wedding so it was the weirdest week of weddings ever super cool just beautiful places for both all the emotion all of the wonderful people it was phenomenal so Mm -hmm. saturday morning uh like like i said the Hawaii wedding was on Thursday. Saturday morning, we, we wake up at 3 a.m. to get sunrise. Uh, we do this crazy hike on the east side of Oahu. And it was incredible. Like sunrise, Is shooting that off. with the couple, I assume? Yeah, with the couple, yeah. with nice. a photographer. Uh, I'm filming on my new rig. All this amazing stuff, you know, shooting 60 frames a second, winds blowing, hairs going, like everything. It's beautiful. <laughs> crazy hike. And on our way back down the mountain, we get this text that's like, hey, fraudulent charge on your credit card. We're like, what? So, you know, usually when you get something like that, you're like, oh, that's probably just a mistake. And uh, we walk up to the car and our car smashed the back window. What? Whoa. Yeah. So they took my wife's backpack or it was my backpack with her stuff in it. So we lost her laptop. We lost her wallet. And uh, they got her wallet and they just went on a spending spree. (laughs) (sighs) So yeah, we had to cancel all the credit cards. This is literally like four hours before we leave for the airport. It was just like the worst way to end a trip. But those dummies didn't break the back window, which had all my gear in it. So they're idiots. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Did did you have any like uh, hard drives of like other couples footage in there or? Yeah. So I had a a hard drive in the backpack, but this is where tried and true Eric comes through. I made all the backups and we're good to go. Good man. Good man. Yeah. Oh yep. man, yeah that that would that would not make me happy. So on purpose, I threw my other hard drive in the backpack that was on my back. So I had one on me and one in the car for this exact reason. And this is just a practice I've been doing for years now. Mm-hmm. And it finally happened. And we got back to the car, and of course, like my couple's like feels awful and all this stuff. It's not their fault, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I had a hard drive in there, and her face just like sunk she was like oh my goodness did we lose everything i'm like no well we're all backed up we're good to go yeah and so you can never like, have too oh. many backups <laughs> yeah. i know oh yeah and so at that point i i had uh i had backup on the drive and another drive and memory cards so there was really three except i had to format a card from the wedding that morning uh, so that card was only on the drive in my backpack so i immediately backed up all that footage as soon as possible and mm-hmm. then did a third as soon as i got home so Era, are, yep. are, those, are those early morning hikes up mountains a uh, thing for you? Because obviously you, you mentioned that in your uh, Yosemite video. Yeah, th- it's actually not, which is funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's hilarious is that couple, uh, they are good friends with the Yosemite couple. So they ended mm. up 
they booked me and that story is crazy. Like that, that whole wedding is just the gift that keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> so they're friends of Tyler and Ellie and they literally got engaged the day after the Yosemite wedding uh, in Yosemite. And they experienced that whole event and were like, we need to do a destination wedding too. So they went for Oahu, uh, which has its own story and meaning. And mm. yeah, they booked us for it. So that cool. is awesome. So yeah. similarly, they're like, yeah, why don't we do a sunrise thing? And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that a case of them seeing your video that you had done for their friends? Or had you finished that project by that point? Or was it just like they had a really good experience and they just wanted to have another great experience? Uh, no, to, they they saw they saw the Yosemite film um, mm. and were just like, yeah, we want to hire you. This, it was yeah. one of those situations where they just see one piece of your work and they're like, yeah, I don't want to go anywhere else. Well, we mm-hmm. want you, um, which is really sweet and endearing. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's no there's no bigger compliment. Yeah, I know it's it's so cool. Like, and I mean, yeah. they got to experience firsthand just like seeing me at work and my personality mm-hmm. uh, on the wedding day in Yosemite as well. So. I don't know. Those are my favorite kind of referrals. Those are really the ones I care about. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm by no means a guru on like marketing on the web or anything. Pretty much all of the stuff that I've done to grow my business has been organic in that way. And Mm -hmm. I kind of don't want it any other way. We we had quite a adventurous week past there as well. There was no break-ins to cars or fraudulent activity, luckily. (laughs) Uh, But we were off up in the highlands of Scotland with a Canadian couple uh, they were over from Ottawa to Elope and Sky. Nice. Jesse and David, yeah, really lovely couple. Wait, you're from you're from Scotland? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, my friend. Yes. Um, yeah, and it was it was great. Are you are you a whiskey kind of guy or? I do. I love whiskey. So if I said Talisker, you'd maybe have heard of Talisker. I love whiskey. I know nothing about it. That's absolutely cool. <laughs> yeah. So these guys are massive whiskey fans yeah. from Canada. Gotcha. And they wanted to, they're basically still in Scotland just now, just doing a tour of distilleries, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they stayed near the Talisker distillery. And then we did a first look down in the grounds of Talisker, mm-hmm. which is, meant quite a lot to them. Yeah. Which is always fun for us to do because it's not very common over here. Couples mm-hmm. don't tend to um, do first looks, but we work with a lot of Americans and Canadians really? coming over, and yeah, just like people, people up for an adventure, you know. Totally, that's kind of uh, our, our our bread and butter. I I'm I'm kind of in the camp like I I just don't care I don't care where it's at. I just want it to be nostalgic for them, you know. Yeah, I just I just want them to do exactly what they want to do, and that makes everything fun. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think that's why I like elopement so much because there's not right. there's not a strict timetable. You just kind right. of go on an adventure. You know the rough ceremony time and spot, but everything else is just like to them. And if you're if you have this cool idea, usually they're like, "Oh yeah, let's do that." And this yeah. bride, she was like, "Oh, I, I don't care about my dress. Let's get it muddy." Yeah. And yeah. That, so it was like super adventurous. We were climbing up very steep hills. Poor David, he was having a little bit of vertigo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, the, the groom discovered that he had a slight case of vertical once yeah. he was on top of a cliff. <laughs> oh man, I know that feeling. But he handled it well. He did. Yeah, he did. did. Yeah, yeah. But we managed to find well, Andrew Ray, the photographer, who mm-hmm. everybody should check out. Uh he managed to find a spot up the west coast of Sky that was very remote. It's a uh, it's not an Instagram famous location, but Ooh. it has its own beauty to it. So it, it 
meant a lot like that now that spot will have a meaning for the couple like <laughs> sky will always mean something to them but that so cool. spot in particular so right. we just did most of their photos there and then we took them to a few of the more sort of popular spots just so as they could see them and we obviously got some awesome footage as well yeah yeah it was cool that's amazing yeah i love how the stories on those just unfold the way it happens and similar it was similar to me with that seattle one it was the first time i shot up in the Pacific Northwest in the States. Right. And are you guys familiar at all with Benj Heish? Yeah, yeah, I know the name. Yeah. So he he's like my original inspiration. He's like the first guy I ever started following. Right. And this bride approached me and he was like, hey, I want to get married on a mountain. Do you want to pick the mountain? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. She's like, I, yeah, I just, I just want to do something adventurous and fun. And if you have any good ideas, throw them my way. I was like, well, I've always wanted to shoot the Pacific Northwest. Maybe we could do that. She's like, cool. Sounds good. And we decided on Seattle. And she's like, hey, do you know any people who officiate weddings in Seattle? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And so I asked Benj to officiate the wedding, <laughs> <laughs> which he's done a few in the past. So he's he ended like up properly legally allowed to do that. Yeah, he's done a few. Awesome. So I was like, nice. yeah, <laughs> I know a friend. And so he officiated the wedding, which was so weird. With I was shooting it. He was doing that. And then he just like stayed with us all day. And then he gave us the lowdown on all the spots. And uh, we kind of played some, you know, last minute things and ended up going to this waterfall that was insane. And uh, yeah, again, that whole thing, just it, it was just so fun to, to mm. like experience the adventure with them. They had never been to any of these spots. Um, so they were literally seeing it for the first time on the wedding day, which was so cool. Oh, yeah, that is awesome. I've had that with that. That was exactly like uh, Jesse and David. They they just hadn't traveled up the uh, the west coast. Um, so yeah, see, seeing all that for the first time with them was yep. was. Yeah. Um, I say great. it all the time, but it makes me realize how amazing like your own country is. Like we can get complacent mm-hmm. sitting in Glasgow and forget mm-hmm. about what the countryside's like. But when you take a couple from Australia, America up to these spots they're like wow this is incredible like, yeah it is this is great mm. so the couple also gave us a gift and it got mm-hmm. <laughs> so just before we went on the hike to the ceremony location um they gave us all gifts uh the photographer uh, greg and i at the celebrant of uh personalized flasks with whiskey in it and it got yes. me really emotional uh, like i had a wee tear in my eye i thought man this is this is gonna be a special day just yeah and it was it was a very special day and it was great those kinds of clients are just the absolute best today we're kind of talking about um community over competition and funnily enough we actually shot with and chatted to a mutual friend of ours who has obviously been on the podcast uh, melody joy Mm -hmm. Uh, and she recommended that we ask you to be in the podcast and here you are. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Melody's yeah. freaking awesome. Oh, yeah, she is. Cool. In fact, it's kind of funny. Like Ever since she mentioned your name, I have been watching, or we've both been watching your, your YouTube content. Um, uh, thank you. So I guess you could call us fellow flow bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Matt Johnson, for that. That was wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. that I died when that happened. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I, like, so saw, I saw the t-shirt under his beard. I saw my face back there. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Oh, so funny. <laughs> it was I a beautiful moment. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the moment I get to ask my favorite question. 
to all of our guests, right? And it's, yeah. I, I, I'm after the total CV answer here, okay? Mm-hmm. Who are you and what do you do? Oh, man. Okay. Um, I'm Eric Floberg. That's the easy part of this answer. Uh, yep. I, I'm just a, I am a dad uh, and a husband, first and foremost. Um, and that, oh, man, that is really what drives me to do what I do, uh, my family first. Um, but I am a man that balances a lot of different hats. I've kind of always done that, even through early education, middle school and high school. I've just always balanced a lot of things and wanted to do a lot of things. I've felt like a natural inclination to, to be good at different artistic endeavors. And I've always just kind of had the drive and desire to want to be the best I can. Um, in those things. Mm-hmm. And so I've just actively pursued uh, those avenues in, into adulthood. And I could go on forever with this question. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes down to the core of it with with who I am, ultimately, from a work perspective, I think who I am is someone who just finds total joy in creating. And I th- think that sounds stereotypical. Uh, but the process and the game of creativity and creativity in business uh, gets me super, super excited. So I don't know. It's I like I said, I could go a million different avenues with that question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think at the core of it, that's just kind of who I am as it pertains as a creative. So. Uh, I mean, you, you have so many creative outlets. It would seem you're a filmmaker, you're a photographer, YouTuber. And I mean, like you said, a father and a husband, I mean, those, those jobs, jobs, those, those aspects of your life, <laughs> they can be even more, uh, complex and time consuming and obviously in the best way, but, um, yeah, it's no easy, sure. it's no easy feat being that creative and balancing all those things. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. what does that mean to you? Community over competition. It's it's really all I've ever known in the industry. Uh, I've I've never been in a, a circumstance where there's been such heavy competition or cutthroat competition that I felt threatened or discouraged. Mm-hmm. I live in Chicago, which has a community of creatives that love upholding and helping one another. So uh, that that's always just been something that's come naturally to me because I was kind of thrusted into it living in Chicago. I uh, started second shooting for a friend named Jasmine, and she kind of got me started with a with a website. Let me second shoot for her. She got me connected to a couple other established photographers in Chicago to second shoot for them. Mm-hmm. And that community of people helped me bolster and grow my business, handing me referrals, giving me more work. Mm-hmm. And so right away, I noticed that this group of individuals that really wanted to help and foster one another. Uh, mm-hmm. We we have always helped each other uh, in so many different avenues with, with our strengths and, uh, and helping one another f- free of charge uh, mm-hmm. throughout the years. And so that that baseline of, of community is really what kind of fostered that idea in my head. And then mm-hmm. that just started coming to fruition throughout the years. I always wanted to connect with people. So Anytime anybody wanted to grab coffee, uh, connect, and uh, whether that was uh, a planner or some some other shooter, or uh, I would join Facebook groups uh, in Chicago that 
uh, other other creatives were a part of, we would go out to breakfast. We were intentional about hanging out and having meetings. Uh, I would try to go to like Instagram hangouts when they were a thing mm-hmm. and uh, do that whole thing. And that's where I met some really good friends <laughs> in the industry now too. Mm-hmm. And so just being really intentional about going to those things, being a part of those, being intentional during while I'm there at those places. Uh, and then ultimately just kind of culminated in uh, me starting the studio that I have now uh, with three other friends. Mm, and so right. this was a studio. I'm sitting in it right now alone. No one's here yet, but uh, <laughs> it's, we, we, it was on our radar. It was one of, uh, one of those Facebook groups. Uh, one of the, one of the guys who's the co a co-owner with me, he, his name is Bean and he is just like the most outgoing. Everybody loves him, but he's a bit much sometimes and he'll admit that. <laughs> and so I just had a conversation with him casually one time. Hey man, I was like, I'd be interested in getting a studio. Is that something you'd want to do? And he's like, oh yeah, totally. That'd be awesome. And then the next day he posted in this Facebook group. He's like, hey, so Eric and I are getting a studio. Who wants in? And I was like, not even close to what I just talked to you about. Uh, and so he just like ran with it. Mm. And uh, he found this actual studio through a friend. And he's like, I already set up a meeting to go see it. Do you want to come with me? I was like, I guess. I mean, I I am not on board with this. I don't know what you're doing. And so me and him and our third, one of our other owners went and saw it. We walked in and we're just like, yeah, this is it. We don't even have to, we don't even have to think about it at the price point, the size, the light, all of it. We're like, yep, this is it. Cool. Um, our fourth guy jumped on, Mike, it, incentive, it gave him incentive to move up to Chicago. And then the four of us just started this studio. And we really wanted that to be something that helped us foster each other's growth, just the four of us. Mm-hmm. Got us really excited about helping each other grow our businesses. And as we started to build out the space and furnish it, we just had this idea like, hey, we have experienced so much help from one another and other people in this community. Let's build it up even more. Let's have this be a central place where we can do the same for others. So we went public with Creative Club Chicago, and now it's a place for co-working. It's a place for shooting. Um, it's a place for events. And we, I, I've hosted a workshop here. Already. Like It's just been this insane place to make connections, to help each other grow business, to employ one another. Uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just become kind of this mainstay that people in Chicago know about and come to frequently um, to do things and seek advice and get work. And we absolutely love it. And so, yeah, that motto remains. And we haven't formally done branding yet. Um, it's been slow, but uh, we really want to kind of lean into this phrase. It's like every creative voice matters. And we also thought of a, a a tagline that's like, you don't have to be cool to be here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that. And because yeah. uh, the last thing we want is uh, someone to look at our space and be like, oh, that's just hip- hipster paradise. I'm not cool enough for it. Yeah. Um, and we've really noticed that because even with like the core four of us that started it, we're extremely different, all four of us. And that took a while for us to not like try to make each other like one another and to recognize each other's strengths and see them as mm-hmm. something that's really valuable and good and seeing how we can team up to work on those things. And so me talking to you right now is a classic example of that with Mike setting up my uh, audio setup for this podcast and helping me make sure that it's good to go. Whereas I'm just like a floundering fish when it comes to <laughs> this kind of stuff. 
And we're always just helping each yeah. other in those capacities. Like you see half of my YouTube videos, it's usually one of the guys in the studio that's just has hands on the equipment and helping me with it. So we're always here to help one another in those capacities. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think a business runs way more smoothly when you play off the skills of the individuals around mm-hmm. you. Oh. Um, and obviously our listeners know this, but you know, Greg's skill set and, 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 and my skill sets are totally different. And he does like more organization in the company, like planning the trips and, you know, that accounts because numbers are awful, but I'll do all the editing and the coloring and, mm-hmm. you know, like all that kind of side of things. So yep. it's, it's totally handy. Like you're right. Obviously not everyone has the luxury of like w- with us, obviously we work under Cinemate and it's the two of us. Not everyone has that ability. And um, yeah, I, we're, we're very much advocates of finding the people who are doing similar stuff to you and just going out, meeting with them. And yeah, just helping each other out. I think it's, it's, <laughs> it is hugely important. Totally. I, I, I wonder, I mean, I, I don't know if you can comment on this. Over here, in even in maybe the greater Europe um, area, there's kind of this, uh, it, it's like, it's kind of like 50-50, you know, you've got all the kind of younger generation of people coming into the wedding industry and they are helping each other and they are creating these uh, communities. But there's also the comments on the, I don't even want to, I don't even want to put a, a, an age difference. It's, it's more of a mindset, you know, like mm-hmm. there is that part of the industry that they, they actively don't help others out. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, do, do you get that where you guys are as well? Oh yeah. There's, um, there's always going to be a group of people like that. I think in everywhere you go, uh, we just had somebody join the studio recently. He's a dear friend of mine and I tried to get him to be one of the original owners, but he kind of pushed back and the more and more he was involved in a community like that, the more and more he was just like, man, screw this. And he got a pass and started working here and everything has just been so different for him since. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. Like he, he is in the higher end, like medium format film, um, mm-hmm. you know, like fine art photography, not to bash that side of the industry, but no, no. Um, I think there's a lot of that going on there when it, you start involving a lot more money. I think things become more competitive. And so for him to have a space where we are literally always just supporting each other in our endeavors been so beneficial for him because him and his wife just bought a farm out in Southwest Michigan, which is about a two hour drive from Chicago and they're building a wedding venue. And oh, nice. uh, in that process, like I was able to go with him to a town hall meeting there and Mike has been helping him with the process of figuring out how they're going to do like they're, they want to grow crops on the property and they want to make their own wine. And Mike just got into winemaking. And so it's just this dance of helping each other out with new mm-hmm. endeavors and new stuff. And it's just so beautiful to see it happen and come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think he would have had the encouragement or motivation to do it had he not been in this circumstance um, mm-hmm. of us like always pushing him to, to do the next thing, um, to figure out the next problem. Yeah. So yeah, that's just one example. Uh, but yeah, he talks all the time about that other dark side of the industry that's <laughs> frustrating and difficult and sometimes mm. that's wedding planners and uh just like weird stuff going down and i don't know that's like the 
antithesis of everything I'm about. So I try to stray away from it as much as possible. So (laughs) I don't see it very often at all. Yeah. Um, And I think that's really just the intentionality of me always wanting to be in community and helping other people out. So I see it reciprocated back towards me all the time. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So for the people that maybe do have that sort of selfish mindset that are trying to keep all their knowledge to themselves, how can they sort of change that mindset? Is there anything you can sort of suggest? Yeah. I think really it's, it's something that needs like a lot of introspection. It, the, you know, a common phrase in tons of workshops that you go to is people always asking you, what's your why? Yep. And if you, if you are not coming to grips with why you're doing what you're doing and finding out the core of your purpose of work, you're going to do that. I think you're naturally just going to kind of crawl into a hole and do your own thing and not really want to talk to anyone. But if you really come to grips with why you do it and your intention of wanting um, to build community or build relationships with people and have positive experiences in the industry, I think you'd recognize that uh, you need to have a more humble approach to the craft. Um, I think there's, with that mindset of crawling into a hole, doing your own thing and being secretive, I think pride really goes hand in hand with that. And Mm. uh, if you're willing to allow yourself uh, to see some humility, to find that introspection and, and really recognize that you're, you're not, you know, (laughs) you're not all that there is. Uh, you can come to grips with that. You need help sometimes. And that's a good thing. And that's a healthy thing. And I know so many people, especially in today's age with social media and all that want to put on this front of like, I know it all. And, (laughs) uh, like I know the ins and outs of this and that, and I know the specs on that. And, Sure, there's value in knowing those things, but I think there's more value in having the humility to say, I just don't know how that works and I need help. (laughs) Uh, And so I really think it starts with that. I think it's that that you evaluating uh, why you're doing what you're doing and having enough humility to recognize that you're not perfect and allowing other people to speak into your life uh, that know more and want to help you and want to build community with you. And when you experience Mm -hmm. that and experience like someone just, you know, loving you and appreciating you for who you are and building relationships and building relationships that matter. Like really when we talk about the why of what we do, a lot of times when I say we, and in the studio, I'm talking about Mike and I, Mike is like my closest friend. Um, he works right alongside me. We (laughs) talk about how like people at the end of the day are all we care about in our work. And it goes, it's the same for the industry. It's like, I, I care about my clients. I care about their, that, like their personhood, uh, who they are and where they're going and their story. And so it goes, the same goes for the industry. I, I want to I build relationships that last. I would love for when you know, we're old and gray and far removed from shooting weddings. I want to hold those relationships still. You know? I want uh, to build uh, friends, lifelong friends that, you know, when you start crossing industries and start growing as an entrepreneur into other things, I want to be able to lean on those people as resources as well to grow other things in my life. So that was a long-winded answer, but it <laughs> it all goes back to having that humility to just ask for help and see how you can let other people help you because you know, like 
most people are perfectly fine with doing that for other people. Um, and so you have to recognize that other people want to do that for you too. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Would you say then that your the work that people produce is almost secondary to the connections that they make? And I suppose yeah. when, when I said that, there's a few different ways that you could evaluate sure. that question. So It totally depends on what your end game is and what your goal is, right? Mm. Um, if If you're in it for growing a huge business and becoming a household name and doing, you know, like going that route, then yeah, like the work is going to, it's probably going to supersede building the relationships. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, honestly. Like that's just a different way of doing business. That's something I've come to grips with in the past few years is really like evaluating other people's personalities and their intentions Mm. and not just labeling them as bad. Like just because someone does something different doesn't mean that it's bad. Just because someone doesn't have the same mentality as me about connecting with their clients or connecting with community doesn't mean that what they're doing is malicious. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just different. And so when I, when I talk about this stuff, I'm just talking about it from my perspective yeah. and uh, you know what, I, what has been helpful for me and successful for me. And I know a lot of people resonate with that, but there's other entrepreneurs that are absolutely crushing the game who do things very differently than me that have very minimal client connection, uh, but are doing very well for themselves, are very fulfilled in their work, and their clients are very happy. So it all depends on what your end game is. You know, for me, I don't, I don't care to have my wedding business be this household name. I really just don't. Um, I want it to be something that helps me grow and foster, you know, financial stability for my family. And I want it to be something that's sustainable for me that I can do over a good amount of years instead of doing the typical three-year burnout that you see so much in the industry. Um, (laughs) And so I care about the longevity of that. And for me, that is building strong connections with my clients, building strong connections with the people who are doing the same thing around me. Now, uh, I know there's plenty of people who are in the game of just like, racking up prices like crazy and going into like the fine art scene and doing that whole thing and finding tons of success in that as well. And yeah, I just don't think there's anything wrong with that. I say more power to them. And if they find that that is sustainable for them in the long haul, great. Because I know a lot of people in that space tend to start doing start doing other things like my buddy Kyle, who I just mentioned, you know, starting a, a, uh, a venue and going that route and starting to uh, get income that way. Um, that's cool as well. For me, I really care about like, if I'm making a wedding film or I'm producing images for a wedding, I want to, I want my couples to be like in tears. I just yeah. want them to have an experience that is so nostalgic. Uh, I, I care so deeply and profoundly about nostalgia. Uh, just looking at my own home videos and photos and everything I've experienced in my life and seeing uh, the way it was captured in any capacity, in any medium that gets me so excited. And so being able to do that for other people, just, oh, it's so, so fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I love doing what I do. You know, other people, it's like they find a ton of fulfillment in, you know, growing their business to be this enormous beast. And that's cool too. Um, So yeah, it's just all dependent on what you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you you find that your, your sense of connection with nostalgia heightened now that you're a father? Oh yeah. Like a mm-hmm. hundredfold. Yeah. Yeah. I, sh- I shoot all of my personal photos on film and Ooh. I just started a, another Instagram called nostalgia cash, uh, which is kind of a funky name, but it has a, a deep seated meaning of, and re- the tagline on the account is uh, curated historical currency. 
And it's just this whole concept of being really intentional about the imagery and cashing in, uh, if you will, uh, on the nostalgia of our era and the personal nostalgia that I have and the nostalgia that's all around me all the time. And so the reason I love shooting all that stuff on film is like there's a weight to every image, clicking that shutter, spending a dollar every time I push that button, (laughs) Um, you know, being very intentional about what I want to capture. and. I know that decades down the road, those photos are going to mean the world to me and my family. Um, I know personally all the street photography I do on that account and shooting film on the street is going to mean the world to me decades from now. And it's such an, an incredible time capsule. I look at work like Vivian Meyer um, and other famous street photographers of Bruce Gilden out in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, like those, those legends. And I see the nostalgia in their images and it gets me so excited because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh man, I wish I could shoot back in the fifties, wish I had a time machine. And I'm like, we live in our own era right now. That's going to look like that 50 years from now. So do it, Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> go make stuff. Uh, and so <clears throat> I know that's kind of outside of the wedding world and that game, but uh, that deeply and profoundly affects my work in uh, the wedding in- industry because uh, if you apply those same principles to uh, shooting for clients, uh, it becomes super nostalgic for you and them, and it becomes incredibly sustainable and something that that can be enjoyed for them for decades and generations. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was, uh, as you're saying that, I was looking behind. Uh, we've got a bookshelf just behind us, and uh, it, it's it's riddled with photography books of like. You know, well, I'm holding one here that's like old Glasgow, which is obviously Mm -hmm. where we're based and seeing just how different it is and Mm -hmm. culture back then. I just I I find that really fascinating as well. Totally. I guess with your YouTube channel, I guess you started that to sort of give back to the community and enable more people to provide that sort of nostalgia for their couples. Was there any other reasons apart from sort of giving back to the community? Yeah, I mean, there are multiple reasons why I started YouTube and it's it's a very interesting platform and incredibly fulfilling and at the same time, totally frustrating. And uh, yeah, so I, I started a YouTube channel like 10 years ago and put up stupid videos every once in a while, uh, silly things. And I went to school to become a teacher. I taught for three years right out of uh, college and so many kids from my school would be like, I found your YouTube channel. And I'd be like, what? That's (laughs) that's so weird. Like it's just a bunch of stupid videos from college. And they're like, oh yeah, I saw that one. That was funny. And I'm like, yeah, this is strange. But that first seed of like, wow, people care about YouTube channels. What? That's super weird. (laughs) I just thought it was like this silly platform where you could put your videos and maybe a few friends see it. Yep. And uh, what's so funny is all of those kids were just like, yeah, you should try to grow your YouTube channel. Like you should try to, you, and this is back in like 2013 to 2016, mm. uh, which it wasn't as popular back then. Like, you know, Peter McKinnon wasn't around yet and that whole scene wasn't happening mm. yet. And like, yeah, you should do it more. Like your videos are awesome. And I always scoffed at them. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. That's stupid. Uh, and so that just kind of sat in the back of my head 
And what's funny is like they, those kids were like the base of my subscribers. Like they were the first 500 subscribers I had, which is weird. Uh, and some like literally one of them came to my workshop, uh, a few months ago, which blew my mind. Uh, it, It was so cool. But I went to one of those Instagram meetups back in 2015 and I ended up meeting my friends, Daniel and Rachel. They have a YouTube channel called Mango Street uh, out in LA. Mm -hmm. And that relationship like changed so much for me in so many ways. But I I got, I dug a bit deeper with them. I went to to Asia with Daniel uh, to shoot a wedding in Thailand. Rachel couldn't go because of food allergies. And so I got to know them that whole week uh, and really developed a friendship with them. And we just kept keeping up. Every time they came back to Chicago, we hung out. Every time I went out to LA, I hung out with them. And they came back to Chicago a couple of years ago. And we were just driving around the city, shooting a couple of videos for them. Rachel just leans back. She's like, yeah, you should start a YouTube channel. And I was like, no, I'm w- I'm seriously w- just way too busy. I'm swamped with weddings. There's no way. <laughs> um, she's like, nah, you should just do it. Just just try it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll I'll make a, I'll make a few videos this year. We'll see. And Mm. so last year I made a handful of videos that did pretty well, um, in terms of statistics and analytics in the YouTube world, Mm. which, uh, you know, got a few more subscribers under my belt and yeah, I got it featured in a few places. And I was like, this is kind of fun. I mean, it's cool to like teach some of my tips and tricks and skills and, so yeah, I did a video on like how to do the Brenizer method, like the panorama, the the stitched panorama with mm. a shallow depth of field, and I talked about how to do double exposures in camera and using my tilt shift lens. Basically, like all the the tricks in my hat. <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's about it, guys. Um, <laughs> and so this off season was just kind of an introspective one where I'm like, hey, if I mean at this point, I'm like, you know nearing 10,000 subscribers. I'm like, this is something. I don't, do I keep pursuing this? What's the end game? Why do I want to do it? And ultimately it's, yeah, in that deep seated part of me that loves to educate people, um, yeah. b- being a formal teacher, loving just the experience of, of people feeling fulfilled and feeling inspired and motivated to do things. It's so awesome for me to feel that. And mm. so doing it on that large of a scale is really exciting for me. But I'll be completely transparent in that it's a business venture too. It's not like it's not like I'm solely doing it. It's not like I'm this perfect holy person that's like <laughs> I only do it for the people, you know. Um <laughs> there's definitely a component of like okay, how do I scale this because it takes so much of my time. Uh, I can only imagine, yeah. It's insane, man. The the return right now is so stupid that I'm still doing it. Uh, but <laughs> that proves how much I love how it motivates people and inspires people because mm. of how little I'm making doing it. Um, <laughs> and, that, and like in the future and in, in growing it this year, that could mean something different. So that's what I had to come up with and figure out in the off season. Like, do I actually pursue this? And if I do, like what's the strategy and what's, what's the goal? And mm-hmm. so I've still been evaluating that, but uh, I had been sitting on a video that did really well back in February, um, make 100K a year as a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. And I had that working title in my head for months and months and just couldn't bring myself to make it because I'm just like, that sounds way too arrogant mm-hmm. and all my clients are going to see it and I can't do it. 
it's, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And it was funny. It was another YouTuber that inspired me to do it. His name is Graham Steven. He's this real estate agent in LA, totally random uh, that this is the guy that inspired me to do it. But yeah, he made a video that was like all of the money I made on YouTube in 2018. And he broke down all of his analytics and how much he made on ad revenue on YouTube that year. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the comments was just like, thank you. Nobody makes videos like, like nobody shows us this. <laughs> we never know if this is worth it. Now we're inspired to like go after it because it looks like it's worth it if you really go after it. And in that moment, I'm like, holy crap, I need to make that video. Like everybody's <laughs> going to appreciate it. Now I, uh-huh. I, okay, I'm going. And so I did it. I didn't think much of it. I was like, okay, well, and when I posted it, it just like, it was, it was insanity. Like I had a hundred DMs in my Instagram inbox and people were just like, I am, I was thinking about wedding photography and I'm a hundred percent sold now. I'm starting next year. You made, you made me make the jump. And I was like, what? I, I, what? (laughs) And what's, what's funny is like the video and this really plays into the nostalgia in me as well. Like I crafted it in this way where I made this really clickbait title I gave a ton of information, just like spilled my guts on pricing and how much money I've made over the past five years and like how I do things, X, Y, and Z. Here are eight points, like very, very uh, tangible things for people to chew on. And then eight minutes in, I just completely switched it to be like totally sentimental and not about money at all, which is really my heart behind my work and caring about people and um, why I'm in it, I'm searching for like the reason why I do stuff. And I, I ended it with three really, really inspiring stories and a slideshow of like all of the crazy emotional photos I've taken over the years um, to just this epic song. And people are commenting like, I don't know why I'm crying right now. <laughs> and uh, it was just this huge aha moment for me. It was like, yeah, I really love doing this. I want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I have a bunch of videos like in my head like that. Um, for this year. I'm just excited to share them with everybody. Um, And so, yeah, some of YouTube now means like, I want to be able to start selling things from that platform that can help people as well and help me financially grow my business. Um, Because yeah, it's just like, I want it to be a mutually beneficial relationship where it's like, yeah, okay, here, here's this thing that you can purchase that's going to help you. It's going to help me grow my business and it's going to help you feel inspired and grow your business as well. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a really beautiful and cool thing. So, yeah. and people have the ability to to buy it or not, and I'm not forcing them to. You know, it's like yeah. if you want to, you can. And if you don't, that's fine. Keep watching my free stuff. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate the support because ad revenue is a thing too. And you know, if I can keep growing that, that could be something sustainable for the future as well. Um, not banking on it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's there. So yeah. yeah. So obviously, and, like YouTube's still quite fresh for you for like actually putting a lot of focus into it mm-hmm. what sort of changes have you seen so far either in terms of like business your own creativity or your clients have you noticed any changes in any of them yeah 1000 percent. and as much as i as much as i want to say that it hasn't changed anything it has changed so much and so to be perfectly transparent and honest with you this year so far has been incredibly difficult for me it's been so much soul searching like what am i what am I doing? I, I have no idea. I feel like I'm floating in space. And this is just kind of my MO. Like I don't, I never want to project that I'm 
flawless at what I do. I'm a very broken person who has no idea what the hell he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think there's things that I do well, and I love being able to teach that. But I also want to teach people that, like, it's okay to, like, try to figure things out. It's okay to be in a season of, I don't know what I'm doing next. Uh, That is part of the process. And so I've been committing a lot of time to making YouTube videos. And as I enter wedding season, I just need to back off a bit. I went super hard in the off season, even pushing into this last month, I've made a lot of content. Um, And I plan on still rolling stuff out through the, the coming months. But it's made me recognize that I'm not giving my clients as much attention as I should be. And so that's right. hard for me with how much I love my clients. Yeah. And so um, it's it's all it's all in balance. It's all in delicate balance and constantly reevaluating. Um, you know, what's the plan? How can I give my clients a great experience still? Mm-hmm. And how do I set expectations that are good? And so that just ultimately means a lot of communication and really giving them a wonderful experience on their wedding day. So. That's just like I, at the end of a wedding day, I want to be hugging everybody in the wedding party and each family. Mm-hmm. And I want them to, you know, I want them to step away being like, I know the photos are going to be great. I know the film's going to be amazing. But man, you just made the experience so much better today. Yeah. yeah um, that. That's the, that's the, my end game. Like, that's all I care about, honestly. It's like the photos mm-hmm. can be average and that'll be fine because they'll be above average for my clients. I know they'll love them. But if I can step away with them being like, you made today better, like excess, like un- unequivocally better, uh, that's when I'm just like, okay, I totally did my job. And so it's just really leaning into that and making sure that that happens first and foremost. And if that means that I don't post on YouTube for a month, that's fine. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. just trying to balance all those things. And so uh, yeah, trying to, I'm trying to figure out and navigate education through this as well. Starting to drop workshops in different cities this year. Uh, classes and and doing some of that, but I'd really love to by the end of the year be able to kind of transition to doing that online, so that it's right. something that people can purchase, and I don't have to be traveling city to city to to do it. So yeah, and yeah. are you do you watch Netflix? Like like yes. if I said um, have have you watched the uh, the Chef <laughs> show? I have not with John Favreau. He all three of them. It, it was uh, I think it was the Austin uh, episode. And uh, there's three of them sitting uh, sitting around this table eating brisket, and uh, John starts talking about how he's looking back at his career, and at the time, it feels like he's driving this truck, but the wheels come off. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's out of control, and yep. obviously, it kind of sounds like like you're in the middle of that yep. at the moment, where it <laughs> uh-huh. sounds like. So uh, I think it must be a pretty normal thing. And I'm sure when you get to it the is. end of that journey that you'll look back. Yep. Yeah. If you ever if you ever feel that way, because sometimes I do too. Yep. Um, you know, look to some of the bigger names and be like, you know what? It's okay to feel a little bit lost sometimes. It's okay to feel like you have no idea where you're going because that journey's taking you somewhere and yep. even though you don't know where you're going. I think it's it's great to it's great to normalize that. It's great to let yeah. people understand that that is what so many people, if not everybody, goes through. You go through mm. cycles of imposter syndrome, you know? You go yeah. through cycles of recognizing that you're not good enough. And then you'll have seasons where you're just like, I am crushing the game. I'm at the top of my game. And then the mm. next second you're like, I know nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's okay. That's just part of the process. And mm. everybody needs to know that in the creative world. 
And nobody needs to be ashamed of feeling that way. I'm totally with you on that one. And uh, I mean, uh, not just in the creative world, but you know, like sometimes I'll I'll look back on my day and if it's been with the kids, I'll, and I'll be thinking to myself, I have, oh, I'm the worst father. I've done nothing right. Mm-hmm. And obviously I need to, mm-hmm. Lind- my wife, Lindsay, will come in and be like, no, no they've had a good day you've been you've been fine it's just mm-hmm. life's a roller coaster and you just got to go with it and you're like okay on to the next battle or you know that kind Absolutely. of thing so right but it's uh, great that you're doing that because so many people so many people in this world aren't willing to criticize themselves you know so many people are just <laughs> like and honestly like artists are that way sometimes right you know artists mm. you know have that that ego where they, you know, they feel like they can't be touched. And that's a very dangerous place to be, in my opinion. And that is one that we talked about earlier that can just lead to absolute isolation um, yeah. and a lack of community and could just end in destruction for you um, mm-hmm. without any support of anybody around you when those wheels fall off and you're in that place. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like I, yeah. uh-huh. I like I said, I've, I've been wandering this last 10 days of this trip and ending with that, you know, the car getting smashed into like that was really, really tough for me. And yeah. I literally stayed up till past midnight last night with Mike, just drinking beer. And we did a Novo Amor cover uh, on the guitar and filmed it. And it was just like, this is why I love community, man. Like mm-hmm. when the wheels fall off and I'm feeling like this, I literally told him, I'm like, this is what I needed right now. Today is yeah. what I needed. This time with you is what I needed. And it's just so beautiful, man. Like when, if you're in that situation by yourself, that just, it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. So building yourself up, like being able to have that community put in place already is so good when you're in that crisis. Because so. yeah. obviously Greg mentioned the differences in business creativity and clients. It's also like your mental health. Like when yep. you do go through those hard days, man, it's great to have someone to just balance you back up and push you forward, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You touched on sort of education a few times and how like that's core to you as a person, having been like a former teacher. Why do you think education in this sort of wedding industry and photo and film is important both from a teacher point of view and a student? It's that thing that can accelerate you to a place you've wanted to be for so long in a matter of hours. It's it's pretty mind blowing what can happen. When you have, when you have someone with so much knowledge over a handful of years, up to a dozen years, they can just drop that on you in the, in, in a day or a couple of days time. There's, I feel like there's nothing more valuable than that as, than as a growing creative, you know, like, and so many people, like there are tons of resources on places like YouTube or, you know, um, a, a place like Skillshare uh, Lincoln bio. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's platforms like that where you can do it in an affordable way, but it takes a lot of hunting and researching. And, but if you're willing to make the investment to go to something th- where you can just get a wealth of information, uh, that somebody has learned over, you know, I've been doing this for nearly eight years now in a matter of hours, in a matter of just that short window, like that's, invaluable. You will make that money back in an instant, you know, like Mm. just for example, like I don't, I really think my, the workshops I've been doing are reasonably priced. I I have a full day of eight hours at 500 bucks a ticket. And like, if this just got you one wedding, you're already 
making that fourfold. You know, yeah. if you're making a connection with somebody at this workshop to get you a referral to a wedding, you've already made it back fourfold. And people are just really afraid to like jump in and make those investments. Um, so I'm always just encouraging people to like, yeah, do the free stuff. Absolutely. And like hunt and do that stuff on your own. And if, but like know that that takes endurance, you know, that's, that takes a lot of work on your end to like, to, to learn all that stuff and seek it out. But when, when people like, when, when you have a legitimate, uh, class or workshop or somebody who, who knows what they're doing when they're educating, like that is, that is just totally invaluable. Um, and so, yeah, it was for me, like I went to a workshop called workshop in Brooklyn in 2016, the first one I ever went to. And it radically transformed who I am, like as a business person. That was the workshop that sent me into the creativity that you see out of me today. Um, It inspired me sitting in Max Wenger's class and Jonas Peterson uh, and Benj. uh, All all these people with just insane stories (sighs) and creativity like I'd never seen out of anybody before lit a fire under me like you wouldn't believe. And yeah, it, it turned me into who I am now. And I, like, it's, it's absolutely insane. Mm. And I, I've been back every year because I see the value in it and know yeah. what it could do for me. It's yeah. amazing that feeling. I, I remember that feeling as well. When, I, when Greg and I went to uh, our first uh, filmmakers workshop, uh-huh. um, at the time, you know, we were starting to lose bookings. We had taken our foot off the gas in terms of marketing. You know, our company had really taken a hit. So it was like kind of like a do or die type you know mentality that we had to yeah. change to and we went over to to rotterdam to a workshop called for love's sake mm-hmm. and man i just remember before i just i didn't want to i almost didn't want to do ends anymore mm-hmm. i wasn't feeling creative i wasn't feeling inspired i was essentially just cookie cuttering my way through weddings you know yeah. while i was filming and i went to this workshop and it just like like you said just lit a spark Mm-hmm. in me and I just started to see things differently and the the first wedding after that it was like I was going I, I, like I was playing you know and I, I now take that mentality yeah. of just like going to play being creative at a wedding mm-hmm. ev- at every wedding now yeah yep. and a lot of that I came from the conversations in the pub after the workshop oh yep. like man the, yeah the night between the two days just going out yep. with the guys who were all in the same sort of position the educators as well everybody just socializing and just mm. sharing stories yeah that's the community yeah. man yeah. yeah uh well i get right okay so for those of our listeners who are like new to the industry what do you think should be their first initiation to change to community over competition mindset although i feel like we've maybe just covered it by like going <laughs> to a workshop with those inspirational no, yeah. stories but okay i have a good answer for this one yeah um so I'm not saying like a workshop is going to solve all your problems by no means. Like it, you no. could get a lemon workshop that sucks and yeah. <laughs> it's all about, yeah, it's, it has to be done the right way for sure. Mm-hmm. But when I went to workshop in 2016, I sat in Jonas's, Jonas Peterson's class and he shared three insanely profound stories in his class um, that really made us all try to figure out the existential question of why, why do I do this? What is my why? And he was in a place where he was, he had an assistant. She was doing all of the admin work. He wasn't communicating with clients. He was just showing up on wedding days, shooting them and going home. And 
you know, as we know, as experienced professionals in the industry, that's not a sustainable way to go about it. Really, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna end up just despising it. Um, it's just gonna become typical nine to five work for you if you take that approach. Yeah, and so. He was prepping for a wedding that day. He, you know, had his assistant tell him about uh, what was happening that day. She's like, you know, this is the venue. And he's like, oh, God, that venue. And she was like, yeah. And they're wearing this. And he's like, oh, my God. And he's like, she's like, yeah. And they're driving around in a pink Hummer. And he's like, oh, my, oh, you know, like it was thing after thing where he's just like, this is going to be the worst day ever. Mm -hmm. And he gets to the getting ready house and he walks in. Nobody's there. He can't find anyone. He walks into the living room and there's um, a man on a hospice bed just in the middle of the room, um, basically on life support. And he's super confused. He has no idea what's going on because he's never talked to this couple before. He doesn't know their background, anything. So he's just like, what is happening? He rounds the corner and the groom is right there and the groom just like full of excitement. Like, Jonas, oh my gosh, we're so excited for you to be here. Like, oh, you have no idea how stoked we are, you know. And he's, you know, he's trying to meet his excitement. Like, yeah, I have no idea who you are. Um, and he looks around the corner. He's, he's, oh yeah. So I don't, I don't know if you met. That's my dad. He's obviously in not very good shape right now. Uh, and to be real with you, like things are just, you know, it's just been rough recently. Um, you know, putting this all together with him being in that state. Um, I just want to show you something. And he pulls him into his bedroom. And he pulls out a jar. And it's got a bunch of change in it. It's like, oh, this is our Jonas jar. Like, what are you talking about? And uh, he's like, we've literally been saving every single penny uh, to have you. We we love your work so so much. Um, we just want to let you know, like, how much we appreciate you, how excited we are to have you here. So just know that. And uh, yeah, just can't wait to celebrate with you today. And he he just left and walked out of the house. He said, I literally slapped myself across the face and told myself never, ever again. And that just, oh, it completely changed everything that I did. <laughs> and he has handfuls of stories like that. It's, it's crazy. And mm. literally the wedding I shot that I was not excited about, the wedding I shot that weekend after workshop it again. It was almost the same circumstances. Like I'm not gonna like the style. They're getting ready at this hotel. It's gonna be blah. And I went into it with a completely different mentality. And it was one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever photographed. Like the emotion that was worn on those people's sleeves and the beauty that I saw beyond the stuff that doesn't matter was oh, it was so unbelievable. And when I as soon as I experienced that, I was like, everything has changed. And everything has become sustainable now because every time I shoot a wedding, I see the nuance and I see the individuality in everybody in their stories. And it doesn't like none of that stuff matters. The flowers don't matter. The venue doesn't matter. It just doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, it doesn't like decades from now, that stuff, who cares? It, it doesn't matter. Uh, all that matters is the people around you, your story and who you love and the nostalgia you're able to embrace by watching this stuff again and looking at this stuff again. And, mm. and the experience that you can give them in that process is all that matters. And so, yeah, that's what became sustainable for me. And yeah, everything changed from that point. And like, th- that was because I, I, you know, stepped out and in faith and trying to, you know, 
spend my money the right way and came up with that. And there were a dozen examples of that at that workshop that I walked away with. And that stuck with me, you know, years, years later. Mm. Uh, man, yeah. that's a powerful story. Just listening to that, I got goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, man. It's crazy. I, I wonder if every one of us needs, like, has that moment of, like, needing to go outside and just, like, have a little bit of change in perspective and just yep. be like, man, what are, what are the important bits here? Mm-hmm. What is really a wedding? Like, you know, it's kind, of, kind of like what I touched on earlier with trying to figure out that why and uh-huh. trying to have that humility to be like, I don't matter, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, they matter. I don't right now. Yeah. Like, this is so, so not about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you can have that kind of humility in the approach, like there's not, again, there's nothing wrong with being creative, having your own artistic voice and being fulfilled by doing things in a fun and exciting way and in a way that you love. And a way that people love to follow. Like, I do that. And I love doing yeah. that. But at the end of the day, that matters. That doesn't matter one bit. Like, my clients don't give a rip about that. When <laughs> grandma is there and they want a photo of them smiling at the camera. Like, that doesn't matter. And that photo is one of the most important photos of the wedding day. <laughs> you know? Mm. Like, so, what's, you know, what's your perspective? There's a time where I was just like, no, I don't. I don't like taking grip and grin. I call them grip and grin photos. You know, yeah, I walk yeah. around cocktail hour. I don't like doing, it's not my style. I don't like doing table photos. It's like, mm-hmm. what kind of perspective is that, man? Like, yeah. this is not about you. You were <laughs> hired to take photographs of these people on their wedding day and the people that they love. And they want mm-hmm. photos of smiling, looking at the camera with the people that they love. It's not that hard. Just mm-hmm, do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, not totally. Well, what did you call them? Gri- grip and what? Grip, grip and grins. Gripping grins. Oh, yes. I, I call them. I I I call them uh, mantelpiece photographs. Yeah. Uh, like ever since changing my mind text, I'm like, well, these are the photographs that yep people are gonna print and put into photo frames and yep. have above their fireplace. Yep. It's probably not gonna be the one where you know the creative vision that you've you know spent like five minutes just getting it right and mm-hmm. you know that's your photograph. But their photograph is the one that they they hang up in their house, and yeah, it's probably not gonna be the one that's like, mm, like yep. you're gonna feel totally inspired to do. But you are there to mm-hmm. capture moments, and I I ask photographers whether they do that or just they shoot candidly. And whenever they say they do, um, you know, the mantelpiece photographs, it's always they always say. They always say it with a caveat, like, oh yeah, because anyone who have taken a photograph, go and go and buy those images. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I kind of wish you didn't put that spin on it. I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong, obviously, if I'm making sure. the money, but uh, yeah. I kind of wish it. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but uh, totally. But yeah. but at the end of the day, like that is very easy to do and a mm. very easy way to make your clients and their families happy. And yes. So why not? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the purpose in not doing that? It's, it's a very, I think it's a very selfish approach if you're not willing to do that. It's like, mm-hmm. if, if you have the mentality of, oh, I only do it this way. I only shoot candid. I will not shoot. It's like, man, again, this is not about you. Like mm-hmm. go, go be a lifestyle photographer. Go do commercial, like go do it. This is not the industry for that. You know, yeah, this yeah. is, this is an industry where you are saying that you're giving them a service, which they're expecting to get a certain product, you know, like you, mm. you have to have the perspective of like, I need to give them what they want. 
And yeah, they might have hired you for your creativity and that's good and fine. And you'll give that to them. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, when grandma passes away, like you said, that's the photo that they're going to be posting everywhere online and printing yeah. up and putting on their desk. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. that's so, so important. I just had a bride whose dad passed away of a brain tumor and she's posting all of the photos I took from her wedding because they're, so, they're the last nice photos of him. Mm. It's just so profound, you know, yeah. like they, like she wouldn't have had, had these, had, you know, and some of them are lit. Yeah. Again, just literally smiling, staring at the camera and that's mm-hmm. beautiful, you know? Yeah. And I, uh, so this is a bit of a detour um, and I'll give the shortened version of it. But uh, last year I had just one of the craziest things happen to me. Um, and I cover this in my workshop and covered it a bit in the 100K video. Uh, but I had a bride who passed away and um, just just one of the most heartbreaking experiences. Just like it crushed me. It was so hard. And, and to be perfectly honest, like, she was, she was a difficult client. Like it was, uh, on the wedding day, she was like freaking out about stuff. And we got to the reception and she, she literally came up to us and she was like, guys, I'm sorry. I've been so crazy today. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was yelling at everybody. I, she's like, to be honest, you're our favorite vendors and we're so happy that you're here. And I had that new perspective, having gone to, to workshop and experiencing like Hey, I don't do this for myself. Like even in the chaos, I'm still going to shoot and be intentional about getting the photos that they deserve. And at one point where she was, she was really stressed out. She was alone. Everybody was dragging behind. I was just alone with her. I was like, Hey T, can we, let's take a portrait of you real quick. Like, let's just go over to the bushes over here and let's just get a nice, beautiful portrait of you. And I got to calm her down a bit. And we took this gorgeous portrait of her with her bouquet, a few of them. Um, and that, like that portrait was what they used at her funeral. And it's just like that, like that moment of intentionality of not like I had, I owe it to people like Jonas and their stories to give me the humility and understanding that that's what I need to do in those moments that Mm -hmm. like, if, if she's freaking out, like it is my job to calm her down and to give her what her family deserves is Mm -hmm. one of the last images they'll ever get to see of her. And yeah, it just like, it's wrecked me and it's been, it it was super hard to go through that. And obviously nothing in comparison to what her Mm -hmm. family has experienced. Um, But we went to the funeral and uh, like it was mob. There's so many people and we, we, uh, I felt like it was just serendipity. We ran into her sister and she told me about that photo. She just like gave me a hug and she's like, Eric, you'll never know like what that means to us. Um, like I, I saw her in her casket and like, it just wasn't her. Like I, I can't describe it to you, but the life that you're able to bring in the images you produced will always help us remember her the way she was. And it was just the most profound thing I've experienced in my line of work. Um, yeah. And just so, so heart-wrenching, um, but clarifying and understanding like, yeah, what, why I do this. That That's yeah. why, you know? Yeah. It didn't matter what the creativity was, you know? It just mm-hmm. didn't. Like those were the photos that mattered. 
So yeah, yeah. Um, As you say, like the workshops aren't even for learning like technical stuff. Because as you were telling the Jonas Peterson story, as Simon said, there was goosebumps here because it reminded me of the last for love's sake that we went to. Uh, Kristen from White and Reverie was telling her story of their why, mm-hmm. and I was in the theatre crying because it was literally a month after one of our grooms had passed away. Yeah, and it, as you say, it was such a profound moment. Like when we see his wife posting the raw footage on Facebook of clips yeah. that never made the film because mm, yeah. they're not good footage. Yep. But they're good memories for her. Yeah. It's such a profound thing to think of. And even thinking past, like, people, it was like, I'm not willing to sell my raw footage, but you look at a certain circumstance like that, it's like, man, yeah, how profound is that? And I, th- mm-hmm. this is the same with that bride. They, I, I gave her mom all of the raw footage um, just to have. And, like, just think about the gift that that is to them, to hear their voice again, you know? to see her give that speech she gave to her mom again. You know, like that is, that is beyond words. With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development or photography or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated. So With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered, and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms or faff, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye-bye, unnecessary fuss. Hello, creative-friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. Obviously, I asked you about the mindset for new people, but what would you say to those already established in the industry who have maybe gone through these hardships? Like, what would be a good step for them to to take in in relationship with you know community and and stuff? Yeah, it's. I feel like it's nearly the same. It, it's it's yeah. always a good thing to go back to why you're doing what you're doing and reevaluate. Mm. It's yeah. something that I try to do before every single wedding is like realign that focus of, you know, cuz it's so easy to get into a mindset of like how are we going to make this happen today? This timeline doesn't work here. Uh, you know, you start freaking out out about details and forget about your bread and butter of mm. just serving them and showing up and doing your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I really try to prepare myself mentally uh, before each wedding and just carving out a bit of time to relax and to think about those things. Shot a wedding in Arizona this past April and just took the whole morning to kind of just meditate on what it meant that I was doing today. And uh, told the, I had an assistant that weekend who was helping me out. And I was just like, I said something to him to the effect of like, what an honor it is today to be able to capture a legacy for the, these families and mm-hmm. just kind of getting into that mindset every single time. That's something that's so sustainable and mm-hmm. that whole approach of humility and going after it in a humble way will mm-hmm. create that sustainability for you every time. And yep. so, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's really just a, that again, that introspective looking into uh, what's the reason here and humbling yourself and knowing that it's not about you 
uh, I think will always result in something good. And pairing that with having conversations about those topics with the community around you is so profound. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and balancing those ideas off of one another uh, is just so great. And honestly, like in the creative place, like if, if you have a group of people around you who are prone to creativity, take a step back and take a day off and go do something creative outside of your normal creativity. You know, um, the example I brought up earlier, like Mike and I just did a cover of a song yesterday and, and recorded it. And it's, it's something that we don't do often, but something that we love to do. And it's just such a good rhythm to have, um, to just like balance those other things because they really inspire you to do uh, more in the industry. They inspire you to do more with your business. And there's such a good outlet in a time where things are difficult and hard. Um, just like it's, it's just that exhale of relief uh, to be able to do those, some of those things that you love with the people that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you, are you going to be putting that content online for uh, some, yeah. for some of your flow bitches to check out? <laughs> <laughs> please do. Please do. Dude, you know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, Mike, is that, Hey Mike, he has his sound canceling headphones. Are you, <laughs> is the edit happening today or what? Wait, did you, are you, where are you at on the, the final pass of audio? Oh, you're, you're looking to maybe like post it today. Can we? Yeah. Okay, I'll post it oh, today. Oh, yes. Sweet. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll definitely link that down in the show notes then. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we literally p- slapped it together in like 30 minutes. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> There's yeah. a caveat for that, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you touched on sort of your mindset on the day. And w- so far we've been talking about community, mainly with like peers and fellow filmmakers, fellow photographers... Is there anything you do on a wedding day to connect with other suppliers? Yeah, um, this is admittedly something I'm very bad at and <laughs> something I want to change this year drastically. And I have been making steps to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's really profound for me is connecting with planners. If I'm working with a planner, yeah. um, having relationships with them is so profound in a business sense, first and foremost. Like having someone who really loves you and loves your work and is constantly referring you out to couples is incredible. But also just like the connections you can make in the community. Again, like outside, uh, like I have a a planner that I just worked with last month. I've worked with her in the past. I'll continue to work with her. She's great. Um, But she's starting a venue and she's asking my opinion about light and stuff. And like, I know I'm going to be shooting in that venue. It's like, oh, it's really (laughs) cool that I have the input now. Um, to help her like make it visually the best it can be. It's, it's really sweet to connect in that way and help each yeah. other out in the community sense too. Um, but I've, been, I've always been a terrible blogger. Uh, like I've been terrible with crediting people and knowing vendors. It's, it's really, it's not, it's not good. And I fully recognize that. And it's, it's something I don't like about what I do. And so, yeah, that's something that I want to change and I, I see the profound impact that can have with literally just free marketing for yourself. Um, yeah. You know, like if you, I don't know if you're familiar with Scott McKenna. He has a YouTube channel too. Yeah, yeah um, I follow him. I listened to a bit of his stuff at Venture and he was talking about how he'll make reels for vendors. Like he'll literally just sh- in, on purpose shoot details on tables, um, like go crazy on that during cocktail hour. And then he'll just make a cut for that business and just send it to them. 
and then they yeah. blast it all over social. And then it's just free marketing. So like that kind of stuff is really unique in business strategy and I think super profound. But mm-hmm. what's so cool is making those connections is just being able to refer each other to different clients. It's so sweet. Um, I have a good friend that makes synthetic bouquets, which is great for elopements because you can literally just throw them in a suitcase. Um, yes. And so I love being able to refer her out to people. Um, I'll do a plug for her. Her name's Emily Rose. She, her business cool. is Emily Rose uh, Flower Crowns, but she does bouquets and stuff too. I just had my Seattle wedding. She had one of her bouquets. Um, Rachel from Mango Street used one of hers at their elopement. Mm-hmm. It's, she's awesome. And yeah, just being able to have that at, like, at hand is so good for your clients too because it gives you a credibility of like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, he knows, like, he knows what he's talking about and he knows good yeah. resources which is also great. Yeah. And so it's, it's no, not that I don't know anybody. Like I know plenty of mm-hmm. people, but I, I really want to be intentional. Like I look at people like Kaylin and Christine from White and Reverie who whenever they're posting online, they're like literally tagging every vendor. And it's like, <laughs> man, that is so smart and so good as a business move. And yeah. definitely something everybody should be doing. Like it's just kind of unquestionable. <laughs> so, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love their, uh, what, what do they call them? Their loops? Yeah. It's like the little oh, teasers that yeah. they do straight after a wedding, and they so usually cool. like they usually give it to their their couples that night, yep. and without any music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the next day they'll kind of tweak and put music to it, and then release it. So cool, thought, man! That's so good. It's really nice to see. You know, obviously, not every couple is going to have a same day edit, but it's right. super nice for them to just be like, "Wow, look how cool we looked! Look yeah. how, how awesome that is!" Right on the night of the wedding. I, yeah. I love that. I love that idea. So yeah, that's that's right. something that we're trying to do as well. Again, that uh, just that it plays into the whole experience, experiential part of your services. Like that is what's yeah. going to sell you to all of their friends and family. That's mm-hmm. what's going to be the deciding factor when yeah. you give them your prices that they're not going to question them at all because mm-hmm. they saw what you did and they saw how you yeah, did exactly. things totally exactly, different. and that you um, gave them that experience. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Like you said, really powerful to do that to to enhance their experience of what is already a awesome day, obviously. Uh, but just to add that little uh, cherry on top as a supplier is, yeah. is is awesome. Do you find that your openness mm-hmm. uh, and willingness to share has helped mm-hmm. you with like uh, get second shooters? Like I know when you shoot films, you shoot with your wife. Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we literally just decided that's not happening anymore <laughs> this last trip. Oh, <laughs> you're that uh, difficult to work with. Oh, like, oh, oh my god! I, no, but seriously, I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah, like I get stressed <laughs> oh, out, no. and then I like bark at her, and then I'm like apologizing at the end, and it's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's like again, I love transparency. I love being able like people hearing that. Like, yeah, yeah. it just it's just not working for us, and that's fine. You know, like she yeah. she felt like. Um, that, uh, since she, like, she, she was talking to a bunch of people at this wedding. She like, we knew people there and I'm like, babe, you got to work, you know, like we got it, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and so like for good reason, I was like, yeah, you can't, you can't just keep talking. You got to film. And so she felt like I, I, that I wasn't liking what she was doing. And that, that she felt that that was me not liking her in general. And so it's like, uh, no, yeah. yep, that's, no, that's not gonna, nope, we're not gonna do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, if that, if that's really affecting you that much, I don't, like, that's, I'll find a second shooter. We, Eric, we were just talking about that. She was clearly working on enhancing those moments, you know? Yeah, exactly. You were busy working. She was trying to enhance that night for, for all the guests. <laughs> Come on, dude, didn't you see it? <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's so easy. Like, that's what's hard for us. It's like, 
she was literally talking to Tyler and Ellie from the Yosemite wedding, you know, like they were mm-hmm. there. And so it's so hard not to just chat with them the whole time because yeah. we love them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get it. I totally get it. But as far as, uh, as finding second shooters with the openness, it's a tough game because, you know, being a YouTuber and doing that whole thing, um, I get tons of DMs where people are just like, yeah, man, I'd love to second shoot for you sometime, you know? Or like, mm. if you have, if we ever cross paths, if you're ever in, you know, my city, I'd love to second shoot for you. I'm like, <laughs> I love that sentiment. And I love that you're reaching out. It's just not going to do it. Like everybody says that everybody yeah. Yeah. DMs me the same exact DM. And it's obviously not, it's obviously not possible for me to shoot with all these people, give them the chance to shoot with me, have them shadow me, whatever the case is. Uh, but if you really want to get my attention, get creative. Every person that sends me a DM that's a video of themselves, I will respond with a video of myself back to them. Like <laughs> cool. that is an extra step that somebody can take that will totally get my attention. I look at every request in my DM inbox and sometimes I'll choose not to respond to some because it's the same stuff over and over and I can't just respond to absolutely everybody. And I'll yeah. go on binges where I do. But if, if you actually get creative, like if you made a creative video and sent it to me about how you wanted to be my second shooter, I would be signing you up in a heartbeat. That's, that's what it takes. But that's what it takes to get clients too and market yourself in a way that's different. It's just all about creatively doing things different as a business as well. Yeah. So many people want to talk about the creativity within their shooting and their editing. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But how about the creativity of your business? Right. Like, mm. how can you do, how can you market yourself differently? How can you do things different than literally everybody else to try to book more stuff? How can yeah. you garner the attention of somebody to second shoot if you're just sending the DM that's like, I'd love to second shoot with you? You know, like, <laughs> no one's going to want to. I get DMs where people are like, Hey, man, I took your advice and I reached out to people, but nobody's responding to me. I'm like, do it different. <laughs> They're not mm-hmm. responding to you because you're not interesting enough. Do it different, right? Yeah. Or tell them like, this is how I will be able to enhance you you and your <sighs> brand and what you're doing that day. I have this set of skills and I'm willing to do X, Y, and Z. That was like a whole Liam Neeson. <laughs> I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> wait. You, you need wait, more of an Irish gravelly I, voice. <laughs> I know. Okay, hold on. I have a particular <laughs> set of skills. <laughs> was that pretty good? <laughs> it was... Okay. You're getting there. You're, you're like 8% there. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to credit you. you with the... <laughs> oh, God. Okay, it's 100%. God damn it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was going to ask you about whether you liked working with others, but I feel like I should probably ask whether they like working with you now that you've... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> ...said that you're a bit of a nightmare. Are you... Obviously, you've said you're a bit of a nightmare, but do you like working <laughs> with others? Like, Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's cool. funny is like... I don't, I never stress about my second shooter. Uh, I always shoot in a way that's like, I'm going to be fine with what I have. And if I lose all their footage, I'll still be fine. Uh, or if I lose all their photos, I'll still yeah. be fine. And that's just something I came uh-huh. to grips with a while ago. It's like, yeah. I'm, I always look at a second shooter as someone who's kind of an assistant first and then shooting B-roll for me second and just kind mm-hmm. of helping me fill in the gaps. I think that's a great perspective to have because you're always keeping it safe. Um, yeah. You never, unless you have a partnership like you guys have, where you know the there's like it's the same thing every time. You know, mm-hmm. if I have a revolving door on second shooters, I can't expect consistency ever. So 
anything good that they give me is great, but I'd never expect it. All I want Mm -hmm. from them is the same that I want my couples to expect from me is that I really feel at the end of the day that they really, really helped me and that Mm -hmm. I was able to be as creative as possible and I was able to execute the best I could uh, with that assistance. Mm -hmm. So that's what I love most of all. And if someone were to DM me in that way, then I'd be like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm very interested in having you help me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think having that perspective is way more helpful than being like, man, do you have any second shooters that are good enough? Like, who can I get? I'm stressing out that I don't have somebody good enough for this. I'm like, honestly, if they've shot enough and know how to shoot, that's good enough for me. That Honestly. Yeah. And just like communication, just giving them a, f- a full understanding of what you expect of them uh, is what's important. So mm-hmm. Obviously, I've worked with Greg for... Or about nine, ten years now. Too long. Making, <laughs> <laughs> making films. So we totally do have our own roles. And again, it plays to our... Yeah. Uh, you have that sort of telepathy that yeah. if you don't know where I am, you still know, oh, he'll probably be doing this or he'll what be doing, doing that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's what you should be doing right now. Yeah. Right. It's very rare that you that we'll be using the sign language... You know, mm-hmm. like, yep. are you getting that shot? You know, you're like, you're you're right. playing a Monopoly game, like, uh-huh. from two ends of a ceremony room. And like, get the shot of the bride, you know, but the, like, doing hand game? gestures and... What? You mean charades? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Monopoly game. <laughs> I totally do mean charades. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'd love yeah. to get your thoughts on the sort of the negativity online that I'm sure we've all seen. Like, mm. you mentioned... You're in a few Facebook groups. We're in some as well. And you always see those people who are posting. And it's always a complaint about something. Mm-hmm. Oh, the mm-hmm. photographer got in my shot or mm-hmm. oh, such and such. So I, I hate that. Like I hate Facebook because of that. And I don't spend much time on it. But what's your sort of thoughts on those people that complain all the time? I, I listen to a good bit of Gary Vee online and I love his mm-hmm. perspective on this kind of stuff. It's just like, I look at that perspective. It's just like, man, I just feel bad for you. Like, I feel bad that this is, this is what you're always feeling. Uh, there's obviously something wrong with your perspective if you're constantly doing that and posting that stuff online yeah. um, and wanting to complain and, and get the affirmation from others uh, by doing that. It's typical in any... It's typical in any uh, work environment, especially like when I'm coming from the teaching. Oh man, you would not believe the kind of things teachers say behind the scenes. Uh, about, is, about about who? About the kids? About the parents? Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh the man. parents? Yeah. <laughs> Every, oh, about oh, everybody? About administration? About other teachers? Like they're the most gossipy people on planet Earth. And <laughs> oh man, it like it was so cringy because I was never the person to gossip like i just don't see a benefit in doing that and so every time people got into it i was just like oh just it's so it's not good for anybody like they're miserable the whole time they're doing it and you're miserable listening to it and then if they if they if the people that they're talking about find out about it how miserable is that there's no mm. there's no pause there's nothing good about it <laughs> it's just mm. like <clears throat> how can how can you productively do that? How can you, if someone steps in front of your shot and you're upset about it, how can you evaluate from your perspective? What did you do wrong? Like, how can yeah. you instead, instead of just being like, they're the worst. I hate life. I'm never talking to them again. Like, instead of doing that, maybe think, hmm, did I talk to them before the ceremony? 
Did I have any kind of relationship with them going into this? Have we been passive aggressive towards each other all day so far? Was that my (laughs) fault? Because Mm. 99% of the time it is. It's because you haven't introduced yourself. You haven't spoken a lick to them. And all day you're huffing and puffing and being passive aggressive without saying anything to them. Meanwhile, they have no idea or they're doing the same thing back to you. It's just nonsense, right? Like Mm -hmm. you need to have those communication lines open uh, and you need to be transparent with people. And you, again, that perspective of humility. It's like if you're doing portraits and you're filming and you're working with a photographer, let them have their time, you know? And have a discussion with them about expectations, about you needing maybe 10 minutes to get your shots and talk about it. So that like, if, if they're, you know, if you don't have that conversation, you're in the middle of portraits, they're not letting you do anything that, you know, Mm. at least you had the conversation with them before and you can bring it up in the moment. Like, Hey, remember the 10 minutes? Can I have it real quick? Like no sane person would be like, no, you can't. (laughs) So there's a, you, you, you have to, you have to constantly be communicating with people in the industry. um, And, yeah, like that, that kind of negativity, just, it's just, there's no place for it. It's so not helpful. And then, yeah, this like, you never know who these people, who people are in these groups and people who screenshot and whatever, like, <laughs> yeah. How, why oh, why are you doing that? Like you're committing business suicide. Like, how do you know that this isn't going to get, especially when they complain about their clients? Oh man, oh, yeah. that, that works me up. Uh, it's yeah, like, I'm with you. How, how dare you? Like you, you do not have the right to to be like posting photos of them first of all, and then bad mouthing them. It's like you're crazy. You do you realize you're on the internet? <laughs> yeah, for all it's a <laughs> yes. private group, it's still public on the internet. <laughs> yep. Like do, oh. you do not like it's a, it's one thing to have a private conversation with your friend about uh, a couple or whatever. You know, something crazy went down. It's a totally different thing to go online and start posting that stuff. You are nuts for doing that. You don't do that. <laughs> that you never know where that could end up, and that is not smart. No. Yeah. Uh, Plus, it's just like just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, what was uh, I can't remember, I can't remember who I was speaking to. It's not about bad mouthing anyone, obviously, but uh, you know during uh, during whatever time it was. In fact, I think it was Mark Procura. I don't know if you've heard of him. Who was um, it? I d- uh, Mark Procura. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he 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 said that he 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 doesn't he doesn't understand why people post like, um, like pictures of their food at a wedding or you know like random yeah. things because uh-huh. during that during that time you could be so productive, mm-hmm. but people just yeah. don't utilize the time as efficiently mm-hmm. as they could, and I feel that's the, it's the same kind of thing when you know when you're online, like. Social media is such an amazing marketing tool, mm-hmm. but people can get hooked on it in the in in the wrong ways and mm-hmm. and utilize it in in a, a way that's just not beneficial to your business, to your brand. Yeah, guilty. Like, you, you mentioned Gary V there, and mm-hmm. I can't remember his exact sort of term, but he talks about how he wants to build the biggest business by building the biggest business, not by tearing other people down. Mm-hmm. And the whole tearing people down bit. Is something I relate to as well. It's like why post complaints and argue with people online. Use it for good and yep. use it to build people up. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think yeah. having, especially speaking to the point of like being upset about a vendor meal, which is a constant complaint in the <laughs> industry. <laughs> oh uh, yes, uh, yeah. I think a better perspective is like have very low expectations and come prepared. 
Yep. You know? Yeah. Like if you have that as your expectation, you'll never be angry at a vendor meal. Mm-hmm. Anything you'll you'll be happy with anything, right? Mm-hmm. If you come with food and you're prepared uh, and you have the perspective that you know maybe I'm not going to eat until nine o'clock and maybe it's just going to be a sandwich. Uh, I know that's not a popular opinion to have, and people will argue with me on it. It's like, no, it's in my contract. I deserve a hot meal. I don't discredit that. I think that's fine. Like, yeah, you deserve that. It's in your contract. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. And mm. I'm sorry, but it's not helping you at all to just complain about it all the time. Because uh, yeah. again, you're just going to be miserable every single time. <laughs> like, yeah. what? It, it happens a lot. All right. What are you going to do about it? You can't do anything about it. Like you <laughs> yeah. put it in your contract. You communicate it with it. It still happens. All right. Well, what can you do to make sure you're not miserable? Mm. Have lower expectations. Yeah. It's not yeah. that hard, right? Yeah. Like it's just 100%. food. It's just food. <laughs> like pack your own food. Pack food you like. Bring it. Yeah. A couple of, couple of snacks in the car just in case. Like a yeah. couple of balls of Lucasade. That, that's, that's what we mm-hmm. tend to do. Yes. Um but it's funny, like, again, like, we've got it in our contract as well that, you know, we need to have a hot meal. I can't remember how it's written. It's written nicer than that. Yeah, um, I, I have it too. But we still yeah. contact uh, our couples and ask whether we're going to get a hot meal or not, mm. just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, if it doesn't happen on the day, all right. You just deal with it. I'll, yeah, okay. Just roll with the punches, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we go, we just wanted to ask what your favorite dad joke is. Oh man, I wish I had one readily available <laughs> so badly right now cuz I'm okay. all about I'm all about dad jokes. Um <laughs> but quite honestly, they're so spur of the moment for me. I really love puns uh-huh. and yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love goofing on myself like where I always refer to uh, my outfit as my dad sweats and uh <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I have one right off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Can I tell you uh, mine? Yeah, please. Okay, so my kids always ask me stuff like, or they'll, they'll say, Dad, I'm hungry, or I'm bored, or wh- wherever it is. And mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, hello, hello, hungry, I'm Daddy. And he hates that. <laughs> All my kids hate that. <laughs> and my eldest, he's like six, and he just rolls his eyes. He goes, ah, Dad! <laughs> I just can't stop. Can't stop it. You're the worst. My favorite thing to do is just like film them when they're freaking out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll come back on them in a few years. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, but we were going to ask what, what YouTube videos we look forward to in the future. Obviously, we know, well, this episode will come out next week, but yeah. we know there's the song that's going to be up tonight. Yeah. Um, so is there any workshops or events that you want to bring our listeners' attention to? Yeah, totally. I have a, uh, my Eric's photo class is the workshop I'm going to be running this year. Uh, maybe bring it to different cities. My first stop is in Kansas City uh, on June 24th, which is two Mondays from now. Uh, it's going to be 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at a really cool spot. Um, yeah, it's on, go to my website in the workshop section. It'll take you to the event bright page. Um, but then I'm doing another one in Chicago, the same photo class uh, at my studio on July 7th. Uh, that one will be noon to 8 p.m. Yeah, so cool. I have those going on. And then as far as YouTube goes, I'm really excited about some of the ones that I'll, uh, that I'll be putting out pretty soon. Uh, we filmed one with Benj when we were out in Seattle. 
and it's uh, shooting film. So I have uh, my associate Jesse shot with his Contax T2. I shot with my Leica M6. And then Ben shot with his uh, Hasselblad uh, medium format film. So that one's going to be super cool. I'm very excited about that. Looking forward to um, putting out some more music. Uh, And then I'm also doing... Uh, what else am I doing? Uh, I have a few in, in the works right now. I'm uh, also going to release one about my cage setup with the one DX two and how I've been shooting that way. So those are the near future. Cool. Very yeah. Cool. So where can people find that YouTube bell to do all the things and Instagram handle, etc.? Yeah. So Instagram, just Eric, E-R-I-C dot Floberg, F as in Frank, L-O-B as in Bill, E-R-G. That's how I always have to order my pizza because they just say Sloberg instead. Um, <laughs> and then uh, on YouTube, it's just my name as well, Eric Floberg. Cool. Very cool. And I'll put those links in the show notes, obviously, as well. Yep. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Eric, thank you very much yeah, for thank you joining so much. us today. Thank you, guys. I can only Sorry aspire. Sorry, it's taking so long. I no, it's fine. I just <laughs> wish so badly that I could have your guys' accent. I'm just. I'm sure everybody says that, but I just want it so badly. You seem to understand it pretty well. You do. <laughs> I I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to do it, but I'll work on it. Okay. And people can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk and at cinematefilms on Instagram, Facebook. We've got a YouTube as well, but. We only put wedding films up there. <laughs> that's true, actually. That's true. Um, yeah, more than to check out, people. But if not, totally cool. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode goes online. Please leave a review. That is a massive help in order to grow the podcast. Or just tell a friend. However. However. Until next time. You did that last last episode. Get up for yourself. I was busy uploading the stuff to Dropbox. Just edit it to be smooth. Until next time. Enjoy your life.